welcome to our review of an intense and enjoyable Formula E race from Mexico City. My name's Andrew Vandenberg and I'm fully refreshed from the first The Race Media Award ceremony which we held in London last week and uh, thank you for everyone who came. It was a it was a great do and I'd like to thank Matt Beer for ably holding the fort uh, while I was missing. Unfortunately, you've got me back for the rest of the season uh, hosting this now. Uh, joining me as usual is the race Formula E writer Sam Smith uh, who should have been in Mexico, uh, but um, had what is seemingly obligatory now, um, Simon, a, a positive COVID test in the family. Um, but we're joined by a very special guest who was actually there, uh, Simona Di Silvestro, uh, who, in a role as the uh, Tag Heuer Porsche development driver, would have been absolutely loving what we witnessed last weekend. So, um, Simona, welcome to join us. And uh, I guess has uh, the scale of uh, that one-two sunk in yet? Yeah, thanks for having me. I think um, yeah, it was really good. You know, I think we we've been working really hard and uh, waiting for this for a long time. So I think uh, to have a one-two, I think was uh, you know, I think for the team it was uh, a big uh, big pressure lifted off uh, our shoulders. And uh, you know, I think uh, that's just creating a lot of momentum for us. So it's pretty exciting for sure. Excellent. Well, Sam, we'll we'll begin in the uh, honored fashion, and that is by talking about the first time. You met our guest. So, what was your first recollection of meeting Simona? Well, I actually first saw Simona race at Long Beach way back in 2010, uh, a long time ago now, isn't it? And it, I must say, immediately was was pretty impressed. Uh, I remember her qualifying, I think mid grid on that occasion, and uh, probably only a third or fourth IndyCar race. So, you know, when you look at some of the names that she was ahead of there, Mike Conway, uh, Takuma Sato, and Danica Patrick, and yeah, it obviously caught the eye of lots of people. Um, I think then, like most people, I saw her actually in action and, and, and first started to to sort of say hello and, and talk to her was uh, in Formula E back in 2015. She did that one-off with uh, Andretti at the end of the first season in 2015 at Battersea Park. But that full season, uh, the year after, on paper, obviously, you know, the, the results weren't stellar, but that was throughout the team. And when you recall that Andretti had to carry over its season one package then, uh, you know, I think it's super hard to be um, to gauge exactly what was possible that season. Other than that, I think a, a cameo in the Indy 500 last year was was, was just terrific to watch, uh, to go there after several seasons away and, and be committed so early into doing, what, two, 220, 225 mile an hour laps is, you know, just deserves a great deal of respect so great to have Simona on and uh, you know always a pleasure to, to speak to her because she's she's always very interesting to chat to so uh, that, that helps in our line of business right absolutely well let's uh, get down to the business end of this and so now Simone obviously you mentioned uh, the pressure that might have been on the team obviously they came very close last year in fact actually winning a race only to be disqualified afterwards um so what does this actually mean to the team? I guess they can genuinely really savor the moment now. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it meant a lot. And like you said, you know, I think uh, last year um, also in Mexico, you know, was definitely bittersweet because, uh, you know, we, we, we technically won the race and then got disqualified. So um, I think and after that, you know, it never really we were close, but never like this. And I think, uh, you know, we've been waiting for this moment for for a long time and you know there's been so much work going on in the background which uh you know a, a lot of people can imagine so i think it's yeah just a, a bit of a relief you know because i think we we showed that uh, that we are here and finally we are here you know the results are here and i think the momentum we can gain from this i think it's uh i think it's going to be quite exciting for us sam that's a an interesting point about momentum there i mean from the 
almost the first lap in free practice, it appeared that Porsche had something uh, about the car and about the package uh, this week, uh, that weekend in Mexico. Is is this something you feel can be repeated now? Yeah, I don't think they'll be getting carried away with themselves. I think it's just the nature of Formula E, isn't it? You know, you can go from zero to hero and back again pretty quickly, you know, in the space of a, a few races. Um, last weekend was really interesting because, you know, it was it was quite straightforward when you look at it. The car was just quick from the first time it hit the track. They proved that in 2020 at the same, at the Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez, when Andre Lotterer got pole position. And, and obviously they got their sums right this time in the preparation that they do in the sim beforehand. This season's interesting because there's there's reduced free practice time from 45 minutes to two 30-minute sessions. And that it's just more vital than ever that you don't go chasing vehicle dynamic setups or just getting in that whole roundabout way of trying to find what works best. You've, you've got to hit the ground running, as I said. Porsche did this pretty quickly while Mercedes and some other teams didn't so you then try and there's teams that didn't are trying to just catch up all the time and what it allowed was Porsche to concentrate on its energy management optimization and just mapping out its strategies for for the race which is obviously you know what the the vast majority of the points um where they're gained as for what this does for any recalibration of its aims and objectives for this season like I said they're not going to get a, a, a carried away I mean there are so many potential pratfalls in Formula E that you've just got to concentrate almost on a, a race by race basis. However, you know, I will I will remind you, Vida B, that when we spoke to Dario Franchitti at the end of last season, I do recall your gasps of surprise when I said that I fancied Pascal Verlein for a, a title crack this season. <laughs> um, I'm not going to dwell on that. but I, th- I think I said that, to be honest with you. Oh, well, well, I, 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 listen, we, we can squabble about it. I think it was counterbalanced nicely by the preview one we did with Gary Paffitt when we said that we thought that Porsche wouldn't be among the top two or three teams. But listen, it's impossible trying to predict anything in Formula E. What I will say is that Porsche dominated last weekend's race. Yes, it's on a circuit which is slightly different from the majority of, of configurations in Formula E. And interestingly, it does have some attributes to Valencia where they've done quite a bit of testing. You know, you add up the days they've done in pre-season testing over the last couple of years. It's, it's more than it's done at any other track. And it's got a long straight. And, you know, there are certain things there that contributed to it. Having said that, I think that they've always had the possibility. They've always had the potential to get a big result like this. And for whatever reason, whether it's the chaotic qualifying, whether it's mistakes, whether it's, um, you know, just the abject bad luck and a small technical administrative issue in Puebla last year, I, you know, I think it's always been there. It's just whether it can be harnessed or not. And, you know, you can look at the the changes that have happened there. Uh, you know, Pascal Zalinden's gone. Um, Emil Lindsay's gone um, from his position. They they put the, the, the framework in place for that team. So just because they've gone, you shouldn't automatically think, well, you know, Florian Modling is there. He's done a fantastic job. This is a huge momentum you mentioned momentum before it's all about momentum and and those guys really built the, the foundation for that and, and what we're not seeing now is is the is the application of it and uh you know i think for formula e to have a grandi manufacturers like porsche to 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 get the spoils and, and enjoy the victory i think it's it's pretty important now you mentioned uh there the how important the strategy was and i think what we saw here was a 
classic, what ought to be a classic season eight Formula E race. Um, Sam, you caught up with uh, Pascal Airlines engineer Kyle Wilson-Clark uh, about how the uh, strategy shaped that win. Well, we we saw um, based upon free practice that actually doing 40 was potentially a long shot, um, but wanted to cover ourselves as well because we kind of got a little bit burned in Riyadh the other way. Um, so I'd say we were prepared and, made, and targeted the 40 um, on the outset, basically. Um, and we saw it was very close, but we just kind of ran to our strategy. We, we ran consistently and performance was good. We saw efficiency was good as well. Um, both drivers doing something very, very similar. So we knew it could happen. <clears throat> um, and yeah, we just kind of stuck to our program, you know, kind of just, just ran through the race. And in the end, it wasn't really something targeted to, to sucker people into something. Um, I can easily see in hindsight now why many teams would have expected us to have um, not gone for the extra lap. But in the end, it's kind of we were in the rhythm. Um, it's what we we're targeted to do. Uh, so we just stuck to our guns and, and just ran the race through without changing anything, you know, kind of um, just sticking to sticking to the kind of pendulum, dong, 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 kind of, kind of um, the rhythm of it all. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what happened, really. And yeah, yeah and for, for some teams, I think it hurt them because we had a we had a big gap to P3 and we could easily have dropped that one second to make everyone's life easier for the 39 that, that were going for it. But yeah, it wasn't decision we made. Sam, the team seemed to toy with the field a little bit with its strategy, targeting 40 laps, and they called a few out. Can you explain how that really affected the Jaguar and Mahindra in particular? Yeah, so um, Jaguar and, and the Mahindra of um, Oliver Rowland, uh, Alexander Sims, unfortunately, um, re- had retired pretty early on. Those three in particular were were the, the, the ones that suffered because they had gambled on it being a 39-lap race Others had also done the same. You know, Eduardo Motara had done it. The DS to Cheetahs had done it. But they had realised a little bit earlier, I think, and they'd adapted their strategies. You know, when, as, as Kyle mentioned there in that in that, uh, in that that clip, it wasn't designed to catch others out. You know, they were running completely to their own preordained strategy and it worked a treat. You know, I likened it to Muhammad Ali's rope-a-dope technique, you know, where you've got somebody on the ropes and then it's a big trap for somebody. Yes, you know, that... That that's what ultimately happened, but it wasn't designed that way. So I think it was really close as well. I think it was less than a second. It was about 0.7 seconds um, when when Verline crossed the line to trigger that effectively to become two laps with the um, when the clock had run down. So it was super close, and of course the two Jags who had come through the field. It was it was just a it was a fool's gold kind of race, wasn't it? Because although it looked like they were going to get good points. Um, from their poor grip positions that they never ever were because Porsche had triggered the 40 laps and, and their energy was spent so it was like a big slap in the face for those teams and um, you know it, it, it was it was super cute for Porsche to just stick it didn't have to do that it could have won the race on 39 laps but it it stuck to its guns and they they uh, they executed that strategy perfectly so when it when it works that way, it's fantastic. But the fact is that Porsche just had so much in the bag. The car was handling perfectly. They had good energy 
um, energy figures and, and, uh, and consumption rates. Uh, and they, they were fully in control, even when they fell behind in that crucial phase when, um, you know, they, they were just running to their own, their own strategy. Uh, Simona, the way Sam describes it there and the way it looks on TV, it was all serene and, and quite easy for you. I'm sure that's not the way the atmosphere was on the pit wall at the time. Yeah, no, it was uh, definitely, I think we kind of had our plan and we were going, uh, doing that, you know, but for sure, you know, I think, uh, you know, Pascal was on the radio and, you know, kind of <laughs> saying that, you know, everyone else is in a different, uh, different energy. So, um, so yeah, you know, but the team, like Sam said, is stuck to, to what, uh, what they believed was uh, was the best scenario, you know, and uh, and it really worked out for sure. You know, I think uh, everyone else, like Sam said, was on 39 laps. So, um, yeah, for sure, I think as a driver, you do get a bit nervous in the middle, you know, because we did fall back in the sense a little bit. But, you know, the team, I think, uh, just, you know, really, uh, really knew what they were doing and, you know, just really stuck to it. And, uh, and I think at the end, it, uh, you know, it played out uh, super well. Simone, you've been a part of the team basically since the start. Has there always been this sense that this result was going to be coming and it just needed the bits to fall into place? Or have there been quite a lot of changes behind the scenes to take this step forward? Yeah, well, I think, you know, for sure, you know, I think, you know, being with Porsche, you you know, they when they enter a championship, they want to win races, you know, and, and, and you feel that, you know, because the amount of work that got put in is, is massive. You know, even us as a reserve driver, you know, we spend... Uh, quite a lot of time with the team and you know like uh, like understanding everything and things like that but for sure I think uh, I think you know also Pascal coming last year you know um you know they all kind of had to find their way a little bit and sometimes they were there and I feel like this year you know everyone is working uh, really well together you know I think the team is really gelled in and um and yeah you know I think we've been waiting for this win for for a while but uh and and in that sense, from now on, you know, I think I do feel, you know, I think as a driver as well, you know, once you, you know, they really dominated this weekend. And, you know, once you know you can do that and once you know, you know, the team as well, you know, the strategy was different than the other guys, but, you know, it worked out. It just gives a lot of confidence in every individual in the team. And I think that's, uh, I think that's what, you know, really happened this weekend and what is, uh, what is quite exciting, even though we wished it happened a bit earlier, but, uh, but, you know, we're glad it finally did. Yeah. Expectations are a funny thing, isn't it, in this sport? Um, the expectation for a manufacturer like Porsche is so much more than, you know, say for a, a privateer team that, that that has come into the to the sport. I mean, when when Tachita came in, in in season three, that there was absolutely nothing expected of it, and then you know, a, a year later, a season and a half later, they're winning championships, uh, multiple championships, and you know, when these big uh, behemoth manufacturers come in. Uh, from a lot of quarters, uh, people expect instant wins and instant championships, but you know it just doesn't work like that in Formula E. <laughs> it's not so easy. That's true. <laughs> Sam Simona used the word dominant there, and ten seconds in Formula E terms is you know it's almost a, a walkover. Um, Diaz to Cheetah were next up. A bit of return to form for the black and gold cars there. Yeah, I think so. I think they 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 were very strong in Mexico City. Um, one, one step behind Porsche in terms of ultimate pace, but they they maximised what they could get. I think uh, the reality was that they 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 were damage limiting in the sense that third and fourth was was as good as they got. And I think this season it's more important than ever to to do that because the consistency in how the points. Uh, a collated is going to be completely different to last year when you had this, you know, feast or famine. You know, if you look at the 
points of last year on a graph and see how many uh, how many guys actually made consistent point scoring it's it's very few and when they did it was the lower end of the point scale so yeah vital i've got a funny feeling about Vern. you know Vern is um he's had a couple of seasons where i don't think he's been at the absolute top of his game um but i just get the feeling seeing him and speaking to him in derriere he just seems to be he, he often has these resets doesn't he uh, John Eric, you know, he, he the, the sort of mercurial nature of his early earlier career seems to dissipate, and then it sort of brews up again, and then he has a reset, and he comes back, and he's a bit more serene. And I get the feeling that's what's happening this season. And he's obviously got an initial pretty big points advantage on his teammate Antonio Felix da Costa already, and I think that that might be telling if that's still the case at the sort of halfway point of the season. Um, yeah, I mean the the, the race went pretty well yeah you know they they didn't get completely um explicitly caught out by the Porsche strategy and they they adapted to it quicker than most and were able to to overtake Mortara's um uh, Venturi so there was that fascinating moment as well wasn't there in the quarterfinals when the two went up against each other in that head-to-head only the second time that a intra-team battle has happened this season and you know but for a slight lock-up at turn five I think De Costa would have won that because ultimately I think it was what was it 11 hundredth of a second between them in in that it was really really close but fascinating to see those those moments which is one of the big pluses of the qualifying format this season but you know DS I think they were strong right out the box in Rome last season with that new car. Um, and we know they're mega in Monaco, which is the two next events in Formula E. So, you know, if they, if they get big results there, then they're, they're definitely in the mix of the championship, you know. And, and if Mercedes and and others have these off off days and off weekends and they are the more consistent team, then they, they've got a real chance of adding to that bulging uh, trophy cabinet. Uh, Simona, we saw another strong show for Edo Mortara. Uh, he tried to do a Senna Manny core and spin his way to pole, but narrowly missed out. Um, what did you think of that? And, and do you think your old team Venturi have what it takes to be a, a title challenger? Uh, well, I, I think so. You know, I think they're they're really strong. You know, if you uh, if you, you know from both weekends, they like pretty much both cars were always up there, and especially I think Edo feels uh, really comfortable right now and. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's super strong, you know, for sure. I think uh, I think they're definitely someone that uh, that we have to keep an eye on because uh, yeah, I think they're they're doing they're doing really well. Sam, you referred to our uh, pre-season uh, predictions earlier, and I think it's fair to say both of us expected Mercedes and Jaguar to be among the front runners, but it was a sort of lukewarm race for Mercedes, probably slower than the customer team at Venturi, and Jaguar basically two pointless showings in a row. What's going on there? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, none of us really saw this coming. I think from Mercedes' perspective, they just didn't look comfortable. Again, you know, whereas Porsche were right on it from the start, they they were chasing they were chasing shadows a little bit. Um, it, it, it's all you know. It was all about qualifying last year in the sense that it, you know, you had to be in the right group. This year, it's still qualifying is still super important, but you are in charge of your own destiny. And in, Mercedes at least got through to the knockout phases this time, and um, but they they couldn't get a position where they could really exploit what I think was a quicker car in in the race. I think certainly De Vries and Van Dorn it was a race of frustration because they knew that they had a car capable of at least challenging 
the DS to cheaters. Whether or not it could have gotten a Porsche, I doubt it very much. But certainly from there, it should have been able to get onto the tail of the, the DS to cheaters, and, and it, it it didn't do that really. I mean, there was there was occasional points where it wasn't too far away, but it just got embroiled in in fights that it didn't need to or probably shouldn't have been involved in. I mean, Nick De Vries was was involved in a, an altercation with Lucas de Grassi early on, and then Stoffel van Dorn got um, got broadsided by by de Grassi, who who rightly got a um, got a penalty for it. So it was it was just messy. At least they salvaged some points, though. I mean, de Vries came away with um, with six place points, which will be very useful. Van Dorn again didn't score, um, which will be really difficult for him to swallow. And it was through no fault of his own, really. He should have got a, a bunch of points, but um, again, was on the wrong end of some, uh, let's say, uh, erratic er- erratic driving from, or yeah, robust, super robust driving from Degrassi, who I counted as, as hitting four people uh, during a 45-minute race. But that's another story well, for another Robust is day. one word for it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, what a bad average. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, amazing. But look, you know, I think Jaguar Jaguar's the real the real anomaly, isn't it, in Formula E this season. Um it's it's now officially a famine, a points famine. They didn't get one again for the second race in succession. Um they just can't get seem to get qualifying right. I mean, they're not far away. The car isn't slow. Uh, but this season you can ill afford to give this many points away in a race. Uh, to come away with Nilpois is, is is not great, but look, they'll come back. They've got a quick car. They've got two excellent drivers. They will be back and they'll be strong. But there will be, you know, there will be some serious questions being asked in, in at Grove in the next week or two before they focus on on Rome. Um, yeah, Jags, like, like I said before, Jags just caught, caught out by the forty laps. They gambled. They went all in. They put everything on black, and it came up red. Um, and they didn't react to it, and and they just fell back. I mean. That that must be, I don't I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that in your career, Simona. But when you get to that level of frustration, it, it must take a while to uh, to come back from it. When you just you know you're just driving your heart out, and, and then you just cannot get a result. I mean, that, what's that like as a driver? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think you know mentally what is hard when you know like in racing we all know sometimes there's some season things just just don't go your way, and I think what's as a driver, sometimes what's a bit hard is that, you know, you start to not overthink, but you also start you to kind of to, to you know, think what you can do better and things like that, you know, and, and you kind of lose a bit of confidence in, in your abilities. Uh, that's something that happened to me sometimes where, you know, I want to be, you know, I start doubting myself more sometimes. And, uh, and, and in that sense, you know, you just put so much more pressure on you to, to do the right thing and then you end up, you know, doing even more mistakes so I think that's uh, something as a driver sometimes that is pretty difficult to to navigate when you have some of those races that really just don't go your way you know and you don't really really know you know why it's it's pretty frustrating mm-hmm. how'd you get over that you do like throw your helmet across the garage or do you take yourself away for a yoga retreat <laughs> yeah no I don't, well, I don't know you know maybe I need to throw my helmet more no I'm kidding uh, but uh, I think you know it, it's more of a you know it's it's not even I don't think even really think you're aware of it, you know, but you just start, I think because as an athlete, you know, you want to be the best every time. So you start putting a lot of like pressure on you and, you know, and, and what is strange sometimes, you know, you, you can go with the same preparation to one race into another and 
sometimes you're winning the race and sometimes you're not and and you just have to be able to to navigate that pretty well but when you have a lot of setbacks yeah it's uh, sometimes it's good actually uh, for me personally it was always good to kind of walk away from it a bit you know and just really not think about racing you know because uh, sometimes you can really get into this this hole where it's uh, yeah it's pretty sometimes hard to to get back yeah talking of comebacks we saw the first points of the season for Nissan it, again it was a frustrating qualifying a mistake from Bohemi but are we seeing some sort of green shoots recovery here Sam? I think we are slowly yeah I mean it's um the the car is last season showed that it was it was quick I mean you know Oliver Rowland got got the uh got, got the results last season didn't he um in Buemi's instance it was a worry when he just had this huge run of um, of basically not delivering anything, and and there were questions asked about why that was the case and different theories and so forth. Um, what we saw at the, the the weekend was interesting. The, the car is quick um, in free practice. It was beaten only by the Porsches, and if you look at the pace, it was bang on. I mean, you know, the times in free practice were quicker than in qualifying so in the right conditions that nissan im03 is a really potent prospect oh, well remembered we didn't read that off a bit of paper <laughs> <did you? laughs> they're, they're embedded in my mind now after after two seasons with the double homologation but um they yeah they they actually kind of counterintuitively they expected more from the race i think they went into the race thinking uh, into Mexico, thinking this track isn't really going to suit our package, and we're going to have another, you know, another really difficult weekend. But after free practice, those expectations were raised massively. And, and Francois Sicard uh, told me that on uh, Saturday evening when I when I spoke to him on on Saturday. So what happened in qualifying was frustrating. You know, Sebastian made it made a mistake, um, and again hugely costly. Started eighteenth, but had an, an amazing start. You know, he took several drivers on the first lap was really the the, the the feisty old Sebastian Buemi that we that we know and love. He came through, um, was on the periphery of the top 10 and then got through to that eighth position by dint of what happened to the um, the energy zombies, let's call them at the end of the race when they were um, they were struggling because of the 40 laps that Porsche pulled out. And, and also Degrassi got his penalty. So yeah, you know it wasn't a, it wasn't a sort of standout wow headlines kind of um kind of show but what what i thought that it did bring was morale a, a bit of much needed morale um a double points finish because max gunter got uh got ninth as well um so they've opened their account the car they're starting to understand a little bit more about the car however they're going to go to rome having not been to rome with that car because they only debuted it in monaco uh, last year so Rome's going to be a real test but I, th- I think the, there's a bit of momentum there now there's a bit more understanding of where it can be quick and I think you know if the if the mistakes are eradicated um, and they have to be you know as we as I touched on before you know you can't afford to make mistakes in qualifying because uh, two tenths is the difference between sixth or um, you know uh, well actually not this season, is it? Because the duels, but for instance, if you make a mistake um, in the qualifying group sessions, you know you can be, you can be either uh, ninth on the grid or you can be twenty first on the grid. It's that that tighter margin. I think Nissan have got a lot to to look forward to, and I think I think they can surprise on occasions this season. I think we can sort of reestimate what what they're capable of, and I think that certainly there there shouldn't be any reason why the odd podium can't come their way in twenty twenty two. 
Simona, after the Nissan um, free practice pace, was Porsche expecting them to be the main challenger in the race? Yeah, I think uh, I think they were they were close and all that. Uh, uh, but you know, I think for sure, I think they they were on the radar. But you know, I think the biggest one, I think, is uh, you know Venturi. They always kind of there and they're always lurking. So. Um, but yeah, it seems like you know. I think the track as well is quite different, like uh, like Sam said before, than than any other Formula E track. So uh, it was yeah a bit interesting to see who who was quite quick and 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 not so quick. So yeah, um, but I think they they were they were pretty good and they were definitely I think on the on the horizon. I also thought you know knowing Sebastian for a long time, I always I really thought he would be right there uh, in qualifying. Uh, but yeah, but it just shows that <laughs> Formula E is uh, is it's pretty difficult and especially with the new qualifying format it's so crucial to get in those uh, in those knockout rounds now, Sam you've also mentioned Degrassi's penalty there now I don't think we actually saw the incident he was actually penalized for although most of us would have seen his uh, as you described it robust tactics on the opening lap can you just explain uh, what went down there <laughs> yeah um, it was kind of it was the archetypal um, Degrassi race really um, he, he, there's a mistake in qualifying, which he's, he's made. He's made those before, um, which rooted him down, down in the sort of lower reaches of the midfield. Um, he, he made a great start and, and was forceful. He had contact with Max Gunter, gave him a tap into the stadium, and, and Gunter didn't lose positions, but he lost a, a bunch of momentum. Um, then he got embroiled with Nick Cassidy, uh, got into a shunting match with. Nick, which I think was at the chicane, uh, sorry, the hairpin, the um, the turn five hairpin, four five hairpin, um, had contact there, was making good progress, got into the points, got involved with um, got involved with Stoffel Van Dorn. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I've missed one in in the, in the list. I've missed Nick De Vries, so he had to, he had some contact with Nick De Vries earlier, which was investigated. Lucas described it as Nick moving around. Under breaking, and to be fr- to be frank, I didn't speak to De Vries after the race, um, but there was contact between them. The, the investigation cleared um, was was cleared of that, and, and, and the Max Gunter one also. Um, yeah, it was just a it, it sort of you know it ticked all the boxes that you'd expect in a, in a um, an embattled Lucas Degrassi performance. It wasn't it wasn't pretty. It was pretty forceful, and it seemed as though it paid off. But he got the he got the penalty for the Van Dorn collision, which you're right, we didn't see. Um, but you know, I'm told from those that have seen it that it was a, you know, that it, it didn't leave the stewards with much of a decision to make. Let's say, um, and he and he got that five second penalty, which shunted him back out of the points. So, not a great weekend, I think. Again, just going back to that consistency, the drivers know that they have to try and score, even if it's the odd point. Um, you know, I mentioned uh, Jean-Éric Verne before that he's ratcheted up the points quite nicely in the first three races, even though he's not been in contention for an absolute uh, crack at the at the victory. So I, the interesting thing with Lucas and that whole dynamic with Venturi, I think, is that, you know, he's come into a team. Yes, he's still learning aspects. And we've got to we've got to remember that, that, you know, he's not as familiar with the way the team works or even practically how the the operations and the systems work on that Mercedes, that Venturi Mercedes. So I think we have to give him the benefit of the doubt. But certainly, you know, when when points are needed, I think uh, making do a dive moves like that is, um, you know, I'm sure he 
regrets it to some extent now, but I think um, collating even three or four points would would be much better than um, you know getting a slap from the slap from the stewards there. Uh, but again, just on an interesting um, topic on on Lucas going to that team is that his teammate is um, is in a rich vein of form at the minute, isn't he, Edo Martara? I mean. You know, we we might as well go the whole whole hog while Simone is here and mention all the Swiss drivers, but uh, uh, Swiss Italian in uh, Ed, Eduardo's case. But he, he's been fantastic. You know, he's been fantastic since pretty much the beginning of last season, um, and I think he's going to be a tough nut to crack. So it's going to be a real test of Lucas's experience and the way that Lucas goes racing to see if he can he can do that because at the moment. Um, the pace that Edo is showing is, um, yeah, it's pretty frightening. I think he he has got a, a genuine crack at the title, and if Lucas can, you know, get on get on top of it and stay out of trouble, then there's no reason why he can't use his experience and 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 get up there as well. So, you know, when you look at the teams and the dynamics between the drivers, I think the Venturi one's the most exciting, and um, something tells me that that Mr. D'Ambrosio might have a, you know, might have to put the referee's uh, uniform on and, and get a whistle in his mouth at some stage during <laughs> during the campaign this year. Oh, I, I think that's guaranteed. Um, you mentioned at the top of the show um, Simona making a debut in that amazing uh, one-off orange livery. I think were there five Swiss drivers in that race? I seem to remember it's only every driver was Swiss that joined in that week. For once, you know, it was good. Huh? <laughs> yeah, you're right. It was yeah, it was a little Swiss takeover, wasn't it? Um, Alex uh, Alex Fontana. Yeah, and Fabio Lima, and oh, he's course. a great quiz question in um, Formula <laughs> yeah, E drivers. You're, you're um, right. Um, but Simona, did did you have a chance to catch up with your old friends at Andretti over the weekend, uh, Michael or JF? And what's what's the feeling there? Yeah, I did. I did see them. You know, it's uh, it, I I think uh, you know we go way 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 back. You know what I mean? So uh, so I think it's always cool when when Michael is there and JF, and uh, just to see them. You know, so we always get to talk a little bit about. All kinds of racing series, uh, but yeah, it was it was good to see them. They probably weren't talking too much about Formula E. It was quite a tough weekend for them, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think our conversation was definitely more about uh, IndyCar and uh, and uh, and other things. But uh, um, you know, I think uh, yeah, you know their situation now as well. You know, with uh, uh, not being with BMW, it's also a new situation. So from that uh, point of view, you know, it's a bit different. But you know, I think they're a great team. You know, they they achieve so much in all the categories they're involved so um so yeah no i think i'm i'm sure they will they will be will be pretty good um sam uh, who else do you do you fancy covering off that we that we haven't really mentioned yet uh envision was another strong showing from robin frines uh, he, he's he's putting together a quietly uh solid campaign yeah yeah robin robin was good at the weekend um deserved more than than he got um again they obviously they were affected by um how the race went in terms of laps uh but he was right in the thick of it and and, and should have been challenging for a podium i think that that audi is is quick his teammate nick cassidy i thought was very good at the weekend didn't didn't go smoothly during qualifying um in terms of decisions made and and, and and where he was on the track and how they planned their qualifying and, and he was kind of on the back foot from there had a really dynamic race uh oliver Rowland, you know you got to feel for for him he put in a great effort and then was completely scuppered by um you know doing the gamble let's say um yeah there was you know neo was quite an interesting one i mean you know when 
went went completely under the radar. But Oliver Turvey in particular, so Dan Tickton had a bit of a bit of a get together with uh, Giovanazzi's dragon and, and kind of ruled both of them out from any me- meaningful result. But Turvey started last, banked a load of energy early on um, with a view to deploying it later in the race and, and and did so. And at one stage was looking as though he was going to grab a point um, and then just got shuffled back in the, in the last, um, the last lap pretty much, but he was right in the mix for, for a point actually set the second fastest lap of the race um, due to that strategy. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's some really improved pace from Neo. So, you know, fair play to them. I, you know, like I said, it's gone under the radar a bit, but I, I sense um, that there's a lot of, a lot of improvement and a, and a lot of potential coming from that that package and um yeah let's hope that they can you know claw their way into a, a genuine midfield scrap at the minute i mean Dra- dragon were dragon had a a really wretched a wretched weekend oh well i was going to ask uh, simona about uh, giovanazzi and uh, how if she has any sympathy for him because you know it, I, he kind of imagined it would be quite as tough as it has been for him i mean two races two non-finishes basically no pace it's that's a hard gig isn't it Simona yeah it is but you know and 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 that's what's so tricky with Formula E it is so different than anything else you've driven you know and um and especially I think you just uh I think your mindset also has to be really open to all the new things because it's like you cannot compare it to anything else and um and for sure you know I think uh yeah for him I think it, it must be pretty frustrating because uh I think uh, you know when you come in, you wanna you wanna do all right, but I think yeah, so far it's been pretty difficult uh, from from what I've seen. I I didn't really know what happened in Mexico because all of a sudden he was, I don't know with whom he got together or anything like that. But uh, but yeah, it looked uh, looked like a difficult one. Sam, do you, do you know what happened to him? Yeah, he, there was some contact with Dan Tickton, um pretty early on, and he got a puncture. Came into the pits and uh, was, I think, a lap behind. And then I presume, I don't know for sure, but the presumption is that he he suffered damage to which um, uh, to which the team thought, you know, it's not it's not worth staying out. So he, he retired in the pits. Um, yeah, just when he needs, he doesn't need that. He needs laps and he needs experience in in how a race unfolds. But uh, you know, it's his home race next time up in Rome. Um, you know, we've talked about how. He is. Um, he's going to be held back by the the package uh, and 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 the team in terms of getting any meaningful results this season. He may get fortunate and 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 get a sniff of a point in some races, attritional races potentially further down the line. But but at the minute, it's um, yeah, it's hard to see any uh, meaningful light at the end of the tunnel for for Antonio. Uh, who knows what the future may may bring? I mean, we've I think speculated in the past that. Obviously, he has driven for a Stellantis team before um, uh, with Alfa Romeo, and we know that that Maserati are coming into the the championship next season. So, you know, uh, I don't think it it takes too much to join join those dots if it's possible for that to happen. We don't know his contract status at Dragon, but it's it's certainly going to be a long a long long season for him. Unfortunately, this time. I think the one team we haven't spoken about, Sam, is Mahindra. Just a, uh, anything to add there? Not not one of their finer weekends. No, no, it wasn't. And um, I think there'll be there'll be some concern there at, at Mahindra. Um, 
I think the the, the car is the, the car is capable. It's quick. Um, Oliver Rowland has shown that. Alexander Sims hasn't been able to do that yet. You know, he had a another DNF, um, an early race DNF, which again was a a mistake on his part. So, yeah, really tough. Um, I mean, Simsy can just take a bit of solace in the fact he's going to Rome next, which was definitely his his best race last year. He got second place. Um, but the, yeah, there'll be some there'll be some head scratching there. Um, they they've got four points from three races, which is uh, you know it, it's not what they were looking for. So they've they've got some work to do. But again, probably dragging apart the rest of the teams, and I'm now including Neo in this because if they can get consistency, then there's no reason that's that's twenty cars which I reckon are separated by not a lot. So if you're on it on your day and you've got the strategy ready and right and the conditions are favourable and your drivers are on it and don't make mistakes, then pretty much, I think, 20 drivers have got a chance at, at certainly points and if not a bit more. So, um, yeah, it's it's fine margins. Um, and you always get that, don't you, in the last year of a rule set which has gone on for four seasons i mean everything just concertine is up and uh there's there's such little to to actually find and uh it's great for us because we're guaranteed close racing throughout the season right well let's look forward to uh the next race although it's it's a little while away you know it's uh there's a, there's a decent chunk of time before the next race but simona despite that um big uh chunk of time it, uh rome is a is a track where Porsche have gone well before. They were strong there last year. Andre, you know, was vying for the lead when he sort of tried to win the race on the opening lap. But uh, do you think the the form can continue through to there? Well, we we hope so, and then we're gonna work hard uh, that it happens. But uh, yeah, you know, I think uh, uh, Pascal last year did like some great moves as well, and like you said, Andre was uh, was was pretty quick. So uh, I don't see why not, you know. And uh, but for sure, you know. All the other teams are working hard as well, so we just need to kind of uh, stick to to what we're doing. But uh, but yeah, like I said before, having a bit of momentum, having having a bit of uh, of confidence in everyone, I think um, I think that uh, that's going to be a, a going a good way. And uh, you know, I think Rome is always an exciting race, so we're we're pretty excited to go there. Actually, we've, we've... and I'm going to be making my seasonal debut, Sam. I'm going to actually be at a race. I was, I was just about to that's say. Good. <laughs> nice. Yeah, well, well, somebody's got to uh, uh, drink those Chianti surplus lakes out there. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no calendar news, I don't think, Sam, to for you to uh, wrap up with. But we have had some season nine news, so the uh, engine deal that's been or motor deal that's been done. Yes, we have. Yeah, um, Envision Racing will be Jaguar powered from next season onwards for for the Gen three rules which is quite exciting uh, a natural fit um geographically they're only about uh, 50 minutes apart um in the heart of motorsport valley here in the uk near, near silverstone so yeah I, I i think um i think it'll be a again for envision it's a it's a great deal because jaguar of evidence now that they can uh, be technically and, and sportingly very capable um and can be regular winners through a season uh, or seasons. So 
I think from Jaguar's point of view, um, it's its first supply deal that it's done. Um, the regulations dictate that you know if you are approached and and uh, you do have to do it, um, that there isn't a there isn't a sort of let's say a straightforward option of not being able to do it. It's part of the constitution of Formula E that manufacturers have to supply their powertrains if agreement is is reached. And um, yeah, I see, I see a lot of sense in that. I, you know, I don't think it was a a huge surprise. I I wrote last week that the only other team that you would have considered that to be happening was was Team Brackley. You know, the the team that will uh, be soon formally known as Mercedes EQ, and and that again is a separate story, a fascinating one of how they're going to continue. And the latest is, as as we wrote just after Deere, is that um, they should be facilitating a. Um, an entry for for McLaren, the McLaren name and brand to come into Formula E, which, again, should that be completely signed off and we think that it's not far away, that will be a fantastic addition and another great good news story for Formula E that the McLaren name will be coming in. And and we understand, as we understand it, um, Nissan, it will be Nissan providing the powertrains for that McLaren and Brackley um, axis. So that, all of a sudden, that's in the, I think... um, I think we described it as in the realms of super team, isn't it? That should be quite a quite an impressive uh, addition to the grid if it if it all happens. Um, yeah, n- not much other news around really. Um, Gen three development continues, uh, testing program continues on that. Uh, we think that there'll be more images that'll surface sometime around end of April, probably at Monaco, where there could be a that there might be some kind of of launch of that project. Um, Andretti signed David Beckman as reserve driver. Remains to be seen if he'll get any seat time uh, because the rookie test isn't defined yet this season. I think if it does happen, it'll probably be the Monday after uh, the Berlin doubleheader. So potentially um, a, a rookie test at Templehof. But uh, yeah, that's that's about it from a, a roundup point of view. Well, thank you very much. Um Simona, it's been great having you. Um, when are you out racing again next? Uh, that's not defined yet, so still a bit of a work in progress, but hopefully I'll be announcing soon. Okay, you're going to doing some random Porsche Scandinavian Cup? Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe driving some ice a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> oh, well, we wish you all the very best of luck uh, for that, whatever it is, and hopefully we'll find out soon. And um, thank you very much for joining us and celebrating Tag Heuer Porsche's first Formula E win. Um, yeah, it's been brilliant. Thank you. Right. Well, I think we'll probably try to squeeze in uh, at least one episode between now and the uh, Rome race review, Sam. If we, I think we've got the time, right? So, uh, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll find something to talk about, I'm sure. Um, but thank you all for listening. Um, don't forget to check out the other um, race podcasts on Formula One uh, IndyCar, which is coming back uh, next weekend, uh, MotoGP and bring back V10s. And as always, if there is any news, uh, you'll, Sam will be writing up on the high from race.com. Thank you very much and goodbye.